Hello and welcome to Adventures in AI, where the InsightFlow team members share things that have caught our attention over the past week and talk about our own experiences in the world of AI. I'm Giles. I'm Rich. And I'm Graham. Um, and this week we're going to talk about a specific uh, aspect of AI um, in recruitment. Now, recruitment's a particularly interesting subject in all sorts of ways when you're talking about technology, partly because it's been changed more by technology in the last 20 years than just about any other part of routine business, I suspect. It's become a very, very technology-driven part of business. Um, I think that the the second reason it's worth talking about uh, recruitment is that it's something that everybody who works and every company has to deal with at some point in their lives. And um, as we are looking forward to how AI is impacting us, I think recruitment is an area where it's definitely going to impact and going to have a, a huge a huge effect. The last, the, the other area of recruitment is that they've already used stuff that kind of looks like AI. I remember about 15, 20 years ago um, using a very brilliant company called Burning Glass when I was running a, a jobs board. Um, who were using big data to look at CVs and to compare CVs and to produce um, pools of information and common definition. Um, and as I say, that was 15, 20 years ago. And it's kind of actually, if you look back on it, it looks quite a lot like some of the, the AI stuff today. So what we're going to do in this podcast is is work through the various stages of the recruitment process and look at how AI is already able to help, if that's true, but also to talk about what people in business might be looking to do to use AI to help them out a little bit better. The first part of that process then is that, and and actually looking back on, on, on that Bernie Glass thing, one of the things that they did brilliantly was understand workforces and understand the common parts of job descriptions, either within a company or within a sector or within a type of worker. And I think that that is something that AI has the potential to really help on. The, the idea that you can look at everybody's job description, everybody's CV, and to look at all the people who are doing similar jobs and to look at their CVs and where they've come from and what they've been and start to really, really understand and drive and define um, the people who already work for you, which, of course, helps understand what the people you want to work for you look like. I think this idea of um, a kind of a skills gap analysis of your workforce is a actually a really important one. and and if I'm thinking historically how how it's worked in the past with, with companies that, that I've been involved with, you kind of say, so let's say a consultancy company, you realize that you've got more clients than usual and that's kind of a, an ongoing trend. So you decide, okay, I need to hire another consultant. Um, and somebody just copy and paste the consultant role um, job description that you've used for the past like three or four years and it kind of, it goes off into the market. But but actually, with AI and, it, it, and allowing you to analyze in a lot greater detail what you're doing, um, you can identify, for example, okay, actually, what industries am I starting to work in? 
and do the people that I have working for me currently have that expertise in that area or or do I need to specifically look for that and and kind of further down the line as well if you have integrated AI processes into your workflow what you can actually do is you, you can look at your I guess AI interaction history how your employees are interacting with AI to get an idea of kind of actually what they're doing day to day. Um, and then you can use that to help you um, build your job descriptions and see where people are struggling um, that you'd potentially need kind of to, to recruit to, to gain specific skills. So I, th I think the question I have about that is, because uh, I think I think it is that's happening already in quite a few organizations. Um, so using, you know, the, the data they have in HR systems for uh, workforce planning and all of that kind of thing. I think, I think, so my general observation would be that sort of thing works really well if you've got quite well-defined roles within your organization and less so in more fluid organizations where it's more about, if you like, capabilities than skills. Um, uh, so where you have people what you need from the people in that organization is the ability to almost fill in the gaps and think for themselves and do all that sort of thing. Um, so I think that's where the the kind of thing you're talking about potentially starts to fall down because those are much, much harder to write as job descriptions. And it's more about, you know, attitude and aptitude than it is about skill um, or experience. Um, now, that said, I think certainly in larger organizations, when they have a fairly clear and fairly well set understanding of what their workforce needs to look like, it makes a lot of sense and can be ma massively helpful. I, I think then the follow on for me is, so what, what does generative AI contribute towards that that wasn't already there from some of the systems, some of the, if you like, the specifically trained AI, um, like the the one burning glass that Graham was talking about earlier uh, and I think potentially it democratizes it although I, I would say the jury's out so I could throw a CV well actually I could throw a CV at chat GPT and ask it to spit out a job description that matches the CV <clears throat> which is obviously brilliant if it's your CV and you're applying for the job um, but uh, or, or I could do it the other way around and say okay show me a matching CV for this and then and then essentially use that that kind of if you like the archetypical CV that comes from a job description to match against the CVs that you want um, to come in and you know effectively say score this CV based on the archetypical one um, that's effectively what a lot of the systems already do I think um, and so you're not gaining a huge amount over and above the systems that are already there other than, you know, my guess is it will lower the cost of a lot of these systems because you can do it cheaper because it's a more generic model. So you don't have the training costs that are associated or you can spread the training costs that are associated with that model across a bunch of different org organizations of different types. So I think, um, you know, I, I think it has value um, I think the systems already exist. Quite a lot of organizations are already using them. Uh, what I think is new is possibly just the the ease with which it's possible to, to do this stuff. 
I think it's potentially worth pointing out as well. And Graham, you might be able to fill us in a little bit more on, on the software that you used. Um, it, it's just, I guess, how how the um, the incumbent software is analyzing that that those CVs or kind of that information. And my my assumption is that it's probably from a big data point of view, doing things like has that person got a two one? What university did they go to? Um, but if you think about what actually AI can do now in terms of more qualitative analysis of, of what's being written, um, I think al although it's doing kind of the same process, I think you can extract a lot more information from that CV that, that you potentially wouldn't have been able to do previously. That's really interesting because on that one in particular, one of the things that Burning Glass were able to do was to um, normalize the data across um various sections of a CV and across various CVs and to recognize that you know if you had a certain type of experience in one job and then then had similar experience in another job two or three years later that they could identify that you had the combined total of experience um, and that they were they were analyzing semantically multiple terms for effectively the same thing and normalizing that information which I think as I understand it, it's something that AI can do extremely well. I think the part in that particular one that AI might not be able to do is to do the sums, to say there's three years here and there's three years there, and therefore it's six years totally ex experience of this type. Yeah, that part I think is is coming. I suppose one of the, the questions I would have is, is, is a job description and a CV the right format to use in a post AI world. So, you know, if, if I look at what other information I can get on somebody, uh, obviously things like LinkedIn profile, which is effectively a CV anyway, uh, what else can I get about them? I can get, you know, tweets and other things. Um, so if I'm able to say, if as an HR hiring manager, or just a hiring manager within the department, I'm able to say, uh, give me all of the candidates who are good at this, this, and this. Or uh, I need to fill, you know, fill my team with somebody like this. Is, is a job description and a CV still the best way of defining and evaluating a person? That's been a conversation in the recruitment industry for a very long time. Um, and as yet there has been no really satisfactory alternatives to the here is a document that defines my combined skills and experience and here is a document that lays out what we as an organization want i mean i think i think i think ai is more likely to offer different versions and i think that one of the interesting aspects to it is the idea that says that ai around that understanding workforce and creating job descriptions piece can actually start to go well actually the skill and experience are useful to know but what's really important is can this person deliver the outcomes that we want for the business and what sort of person can deliver the outcomes we want for the business and i think that that becomes a really interesting conversation i mean it's not i think for the short term because the, the whole recruitment industry is so wedded to the idea of job description and CV 
and 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 you know, burning glass actually made it the same thing. So you know, as you were sort of suggesting earlier, Giles, what burning glass did was to say, we'll take the job description and we'll turn this into the perfect CV, and then score every other CV against that perfect CV. So their they their tool actually compared CV to CV. Um, but the idea of is CV good enough, or complete enough, or even accurate enough to deliver? To, to be able to see that you can deliver outcomes for an organization is a very good one. I think it's worth remembering as well that that the AI thrives when given information. And if we're thinking of kind of a CV in silo, that's just one piece of information. Um, and I think the point is now that um, because we have all these time-saving tools, we can go out and actually find lots more sources of information that we can put in and around that CV. So I think if you were to ask me what's the one most important document, I'd say the CV, but I'd say don't just be using the CV because <laughs> there's, there's plenty more sources of information that you can go out to now easily and doesn't have to be done by a human. Yeah, I think one of the, the there's a more negative side of it as well where you could argue that increasingly there's an arms race between hiring teams trying to protect themselves from a load of CV, you know, rubbish and people using AI to write their CVs in such a way that they get hired for the job. So if, if, uh, and, and the, the interesting effect that I think AI is going to have within that dynamic is I can very quickly write my CV based on a job description. So I can get an AI to generate a CV based on the job description that I'm interested in applying for. So I can have a whole load of different CVs out that help me get through the first stage of the hiring process. Now, it doesn't necessarily help me get the job, but it certainly helps me get through that first stage of the hiring process. And I think that's where AI will both help and hinder the process because actually it's going to make it harder and harder to differentiate between people because they're all going to be using the same tools to generate their CVs. And yes, obviously they shouldn't lie on their CV. Uh, and so part of what they'll need to do is to say, okay, take my existing kind of CV of everything and summarize it for this job is probably a better kind of workflow for somebody to do. Now, and, and in that scenario, it's incredibly helpful for the candidate because it, it means they can give their best to every job that they're applying to without actually having to put in all the time and effort that currently is involved in tailoring a CV for every, every job that you go for. So, but that's an interesting one, Giles, because in prep for this, doing this podcast, I actually tried to get CV, AI CV writers to do exactly that. Here's, here's me in my LinkedIn profile, my CV, etc. And here's the job that hypothetically I'm applying to. Now write this, rewrite the CV to match the job. And it was terrible. Um, and both Bard and Chat were awful at that. And they kind of completely missed really important nuance. Which which does therefore suggest that it's a more specialist kind of thing. It's a more specialist AI. And actually with, with what we've what we're talking about in terms of using AI to analyze CVs as well, you you're getting to this potential point where AI is grading AI written um, documents, um, which I say slightly, yeah, well, no, we're gonna, we're, slightly well, ingest. But we're, go, well, but we're going to get yeah. on to that, that bit later on, because that's a, a, a later part of the process. Yeah. I mean, you know, at the moment, we're just talking about this idea that says that, that 
we can use AI to understand our workforces. And from that, we can use AI to create or create job descriptions. Now, they may not be brilliant, but at least we can create them quickly and then, then edit them quickly. And I think that is quite a powerful thing. I mean, I know that 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 creating good job descriptions is somewhat tedious and it's quite a painful part of the process um and i i like the idea that you could use ai to get for instance various people's um ideas about what the job should deliver and combine those use the ai to combine that information into a more complete or or perhaps even more nuanced job description and I think that that is possible. I feel I feel from what I've seen and 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 the way that it's working at the moment that that is possible. The idea that says we'll create effectively create a knowledge base about this job and use the AI to create a summary of that in a job description format would feel to me to be completely possible today and probably um, adds quite a lot of value to an organisation. Yeah, it's interesting because I think, uh, you know, certainly in my experience, the process of creating job descriptions is one that, that while it probably doesn't take a lot of time from individuals, it always gets pushed down the list. And so quite often it takes, so it's not so much, you know, it wouldn't be a huge time saver, but what what you would save a huge amount on is how long does it take from when you first start thinking about hiring for a position to being ready to hire for it. Uh, and I think that in itself makes a huge difference. And yeah, I do agree. I think it's it's eminently capable of that. It's almost, you know, if you think of it as the collaborative editing process for a job description and getting the AI to do the the marshalling part in the middle, that that for me feels like it was a high value thing because it would actually speed up that process dramatically. Excellent. So, so we move on to the next part of, of the recruitment process. We have a job description written. And the next part of, is, of that is choosing where to advertise the job and, and to whom to advertise it. Now, I think this is really interesting because, again, Giles, you've already talked about the fact that there are you know, recruitment platforms that do a lot of things very, in very, very sophisticated ways. And I know that that in this particular area, there are management tools broadbean and a variety of others that allow you to advertise your job simply that you put it into one place and they distribute it out to the appropriate job boards and channels and so forth and increasingly you know email and sms tools become part of that process so again i yeah i'm not sure if ai helps particularly at the moment in making the selections about where the job gets advertised what it can possibly do is to make sure that the format of the job advertisement suits the media that we can say here's a job description now change that for sms change that for social change that for a job advertisement on this site and a job advertisement on that site that requires slightly different formatting things? Yeah, I think there's two questions I would have immediately. One is, what's advertising going to look like in a post-AI world? So if you, if you think about uh, Google, uh, Bing, you think about 
the AI-enabled versions of those where instead of pointing you to the site with the answer, they just give you the answer and reference where it came from. Uh, then, you know, that that will transform advertising. So one way of potentially thinking about what the ad, what the existing job boards and things will become is a similar kind of thing where you go, I need somebody who can fulfill these requirements. And so it becomes more of a candidate pool than a job board um, and almost flips around the other way, if you like. Uh, so I, th I think at that point, does the data that you need look the same? Uh, quite possibly, actually. So, you know, it may be that, and, and certainly I would see in, say in the short term, the job boards that exist at the moment will probably just make the data available to an AI that allows them, you know, they'll kind of put an AI on the front end and do a Q&A sort of type system where it goes, right, find me all of the candidates that are suitable for this job. Um, <clears throat> so I don't, yeah, so I think possibly that doesn't change very much. Um, and at that point, speeding up the process of um, of getting the advertising in the right format for those platforms possibly uh, is, is going to be useful. Um, although, actually, if the platforms are smart, what they'll do is say, just upload your job spec and we'll analyze it and we'll give you a list of potential candidates. But, but that's something they already do. And, I mean, they're doing it through increasingly sophisticated search tools and well when i say increasingly sophisticated sometimes sophisticated sometimes not at all sophisticated in that they hang hang on any kind of match whatsoever which leads to the fact that i mentioned that i speak german a little bit getting me offered of german project managers german speaking project managers in austria yeah it's kind of yeah, okay, there is a match, but it's a fairly trivial match. Yeah, and I, th I think that, you know, one of the big shifts that you're likely to see is the shift from keyword-based or, in technical terms, the BM25-based search, where you've predefined which keywords you're looking for and, and ser are searching against that to more of a semantic or probably mixed one. So in some cases, you know, so if you've got a... If you've got a a job description that says, um, I need skill X, skill Y, skill Z, then you'll probably want to have skills actually listed as keywords that you want to search against. Uh, but what you might want to do is more of a semantic search against things like characteristics, against um, interests, against you know the, the sorts of things where they're much more generally worded and you can't be, you know, it's it's not. So one of the big issues I think at the moment with the the industry is matching on keywords means you can miss some really good candidates, and you get some who just know how to match the keywords. Um, and that's actually a problem if you're if you're not getting the ones that have the right skills and have the right experience, but they're just expressing it in a different way, possibly because they've worked in a different industry, or because, you know, they use language in a different way but that doesn't mean they don't have the skills um and so so i think that's where i could see it's it, it's almost a side effect of ai as things shift towards semantic search rather than um keyword search that itself will change the way the industry operates i think
I think we'll all, we'll we'll move to um, it'll be a, like a, a more passive um, candidate recruitment model. Like we all know nowadays, we get recruiters in our coming our LinkedIn um, inbox, even though we haven't applied for any jobs or anything. Um, but I think that will potentially happen a lot more often because um, if you think of the the available talent pool, it's not that recruiters and companies that are hiring won't just want to limit that to um, people that have applied for the job. Now that we've got the tools to go out to social media, you've got you've got um, Discord bots. You, you can see who's talking about maybe technical things that, that are uh, relevant to your organization, Reddit scrapers. Um, there's a lot more of an ability now for for you to go out to, to candidates or I say you, like if you're using a recruitment company, um, for them to do that for you and go out to people. And I think if we're asking the question of, does that then make it harder for you to decide who, like what, where to target and who to go out to? Um, I don't think so necessarily, because if, if you're going through a recruitment company, you're providing them with the details of who they need for the job. And, and actually, I, 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 in terms of the talent pool that they have access to, that will be growing and, and kind of being made broader anyway due to all of these tools. Um, and I think because you're expanding the talent pool, um, that actually allows you to be a lot more picky in, um, in kind of precision of who's right for the job for you. Um, so before, if you, if you did a kind of really specialized, um, job description, tailored it, um, um, kind of down to every single bullet point that might make, mean you only, you don't get many people responding to your job. Um, even though those one or two people might be really good for your job. Um, but because you've got a much bigger talent pool now, um, that, that you can access and arguably can access easily and you can translate between different, um, um, pools as well, so say social media, Discord, in terms of what would come across better, um, and AI can do that for you. Um, so I, I think the AI actually handles the precision um, for you as to, to how to respond and how to contact people. That's, I mean, there's a really interesting point there because recruitment advertising, unlike normal advertising, doesn't have volume of response as a success metric. Typically, yeah, yeah, in its most perfect sense, you could suggest that that perfect recruitment advertising hits one person who is just perfect for the job from the very first moment you set eyes on them, and that's it. Now, human nature being human nature, is, and we still want to have some human agency in it and some sense of choice. Perfect, in human terms, recruitment advertising probably throws up between four and eight perfect candidates or great candidates and allows you to to choose between the four best of them or whatever it is, but it's something like that. But, but advertising, sorry, recruitment advertising is actually a slightly odd beast in, in that unlike the rest of advertising, which talks about impact and footfall and hit and eyeballs and all the other things, um, you know, perfect recruitment advertising doesn't have volume as as its counter. The other thing you said there, Rich, I think is really, really important. When we're looking at how AI is going to change recruitment and and actually how ai can be changed in different ways already so how ai can change your use how you recruit in different ways already i think the really important thing that you said there is this idea that you can go out and look at other data that you can go and look at discord and and social and and reddit and and um the, the i think the idea that you can be capturing what people are saying about your sector your industry or about their work and how they work 
um, and include that in your selection process. I think that is really important. And I think it is possible right now to do that. And I think it's something that you know, businesses should really be looking at because this idea that says advertising is the only route to market, I mean, it's not embedded in the recruitment industry. They they do try all sorts of other direct approaches. And, and as I was talking earlier, yeah, email and SMS are very important tools for recruitment organisations. But the idea that says that we can make, we can go and find people because of the amount of information about people that's that's findable in online and in open source um, areas is, is incredibly important. And I think that, you know, one of the things that we look at there is that AI already allows us to make better use of existing talent pools, whether it's talent pools that we've developed ourselves or you know, everybody who's ever replied to us or every, anybody who's ever who we've ever worked with and you know, there's no reason to say that that an organization shouldn't start capturing um, the details of great people they've worked with to to make that available to a future talent pool um, and it's really again really interesting if you start to look online you can see this happening that that there are multiple organizations who are inviting people to join their talent pool to send in their cv to send in their information not for a specific job but join the talent pool become let us become aware of you so i think there's some really interesting stuff around that with with ai so i think on that one specifically actually there's some interesting mechanisms that they're using for that as well so and this, you know, comes back to the what, what does the world beyond the CV look like? So one of the things that uh, a lot of graduate schemes are doing is as part of the recruitment process, and in some cases, this is sort of uh, within a specific part of the process is it's kind of like a presentation stage, but it's done, you know, automatically, if you like. So what happens is they you, you're recording a video within a limited period of time and you're given a question and you have to answer the question. Um, I suppose it's it's a uh, less technical version of the, the developer coding test. But essentially that, that kind of thing where you can get an AI to analyze and you know the, the transcript of, of whatever that person has recorded um, and use that as part of the selection process, I think, again, is, is quite interesting. And while three, four years ago, that was really expensive to do. That's now quite affordable. So I think those sorts of things where it's kind of tell me about yourself in your own words and, and, and almost the first interview potentially disappears as because you don't need it anymore because you've got that person talking about themselves in the own, their own words, you know, possibly an AI interview or a set of whatever the interview questions that the hiring manager would do normally can be done automatically. Um, now, I think my only issue with that as an approach is that it fails to understand the kind of chemistry aspect of hiring. Uh, but it certainly makes for a fairer process. So, you know, there's a, there's always going to be a balance between chemistry and fairness, I would say. I think so. But and in that, you're talking about the first interview. And, and for the most part, the first or the first interaction whether it's a telephone interview or a chat or what have you is as much as 
as anything else, as one of my ex-colleagues rather spectacularly put it, is was we've got to make sure that they don't smell and that they look people in the eye. Um, this is sort of the anti-chemistry test, I suspect. <laughs> yep. Yes, this it's this sniff test. <laughs> but, but I think what we're hearing here, and I, and, I, and I do actually very much believe this, is that that it having technology has changed recruiting, and but recruiting has said for a very long time that the next big change is about to come, and it does feel, particularly in this idea of of. The, the change of importance of talent pools, of the change of importance of the information that's in a CV against the information about a person that's anywhere else or can be generated anywhere else, whether it's, you know, uh, this is about me um, video or whatever, means that 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 access through AI to a much broader set of information fundamentally does question the CV job description connection. And we've talked about that. And I think does start to really change the relationship between employer and candidate. I mean, it's interesting to note that actually um, employer-candidate branding is incredibly important. Candidates that have a bad experience with an employer are something like 20 times more likely to um, be rude about that employer in future than customers who've had a bad experience. Um, so there is there is something quite important to that. But I do think that, that there's a really interesting thing that AIs can already do um, that changes how organisations get to the stage of of inviting applications and how they do that. For me, I, I think that relationship between um the candidates and the employers it, it's it's improved by ai because it, it enables um personalization at scale so i, I think there's uh, there's a better understanding and alignment between the candidate and and the company um and so firstly we've talked a lot about obviously you've got improved screening um so you're kind of you're more sure that the person you're coming in to, to speak to is, is more right for the role um but I think traditionally, um, both interviewers and interviewees um, go into meetings more unprepared than they should be. And, and I don't think that's necessarily because of a lack of time preparing. I, I think it's due to a lack of information. And, and so, for example, if you're preparing for an interview, you can go on your company website, um, but then all, all the information they might publish is like a, a year out of date. Um, or if, if if you're going in there as the interviewer, you're looking at the CV and that's the same generic one that's kind of gone out to um, 50 other companies. So it's a lot harder to start to get that conversation going in the right areas. Um, but what we're saying with AI, you, you're, you're increasing the talent pool, um, you, you're increasing the amount of information that both parties have so that they can prepare. And that enables you to then go on a more personalized candidate journey so you can have kind of customized interview questions that are specific to each individual candidate. Um, you could simulate job scenarios um, specific to the candidate. Um, and, and you could you can tailor the interview process down to, to things like, oh, this person knows Python, um, for example, but that wasn't in the job description. Um, but then you might think, oh, 
but maybe we could use that. So we need to make sure kind of Bob's in the interview, <laughs> in the interview process, because he's the other person that uses a bit of Python. Um, or you could go down the, like kind of the, the, the personality fit um, route as well. Um, you've got more information about what kind of person that, um, that uh, candidate is. And you think, oh, that's probably a good match for Sally's team. <laughs> Let's make sure that she's on the interview team as well. So it's a lot more personal process and you, and you, you get, a lot more information out of that process as well from both parties. So is it like dating? Uh, so, I mean, the, the, the hiring process has always been like dating, but if you think about how dating has changed over the last 20 years, it used to be you'd go meet somebody, you'd know nothing about them, and, uh, you, you know, the, the date was finding out about them. Whereas nowadays, you only go on the date once you found out about them. So you kind of look them up online, you know everything about them, and then, and then the date is, uh, is actually the sniff test, arguably. So you, kind of the whole thing's been flipped around. Um, and, or maybe, you know, you used to do all of it in one go, um, whereas now you, you kind of split it up into two, two, two things. Um, and you discover that, you know, the person that you're going on a date with doesn't look like you thought they did or they're a foot shorter than you thought they were or whatever else. Um, uh, I, I, this, I hasten to add, just in case my wife's listening, I, I, this is not from personal experience. I just heard something on the radio about this. Um, anyway, moving on. Uh, but, but I think I, I suppose my, my question then is, uh, what does that mean for that? personalization because actually if all parties kind of know and have had a chance to vet all of the things about the person then does the hiring process become a hell of a lot more efficient because actually it it really is just the sniff test uh or um uh, 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 while maintaining that kind of decent candidate experience or is there? Does it enable other things to happen in the hiring process that means you're likely to get a, a better fit, better outcome, you know, a longer term relationship, and uh, a, a better sort of long term, um, what's the word, uh, loyalty from that that person coming into the organisation, or or even if they're unsuccessful, actually, that they still feel like they've had a decent experience. Wouldn't it be great if the um, if the uh, the job hunt process was boiled down to just swipe right, swipe, swipe left, and you just get you just get a bunch of companies come up? But... Well, don't joke. I mean, in some organisations, it pretty much is. So, sorry. There's one other thing that I think was interesting um, that you were talking about earlier, Graham, is this idea of you know if you've got lots of different data sources, uh, what does that actually mean? And I think where that just struck a, a chord for me in terms of the work that we're doing around building AI, the knowledge base is a core part of what you need to, to, to have in place in order for an AI to be useful. And so you can start to think of, you know, instead in, in, in the traditional world, the CV is the knowledge base. That's kind of everything you've got about that, that person. Um, if you've got a whole load of different things, files, documents, et cetera, and you can make them available to an AI, then um, that it kind of almost changes the architecture of the way that you need to build systems to support this stuff. So 
from an, a kind of engineering perspective, you know, if if the systems are all built to just support a CV, they're going to struggle. If they're built to support CV, loads of supporting information, you know, pulling stuff in from here, there, and everywhere, then actually they're going to really thrive in an AI like a, a generative AI world because they can make that stuff available to the gen AI and therefore help in personalizing the process. So I think what, we hit, what we've heard in that bit is that, and, and to pull in Rich's comment from earlier, the, the, the risk is that we will have AIs judging CVs written by AIs. Um, and I suspect that's already happening. I, I know that's already happening. The 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 ubiquity of of both CV writers and um, AI in that that Im- initial selection process. Um, but I do think that um, AI will help the process of of handling and understanding applications. I can already if well set up can already help that process out. Um, and there's actually, it occurs to me, there's a, there's another area within that that's actually quite an important one. I remember um, when I was, uh, again, running another jobs board or recruitment process, talking to uh, a potential client in a bank, and she was she was head of, head of HR in a, in a bank, or head of recruitment in the bank. And they had been told to stop using rec- recruitment consultancies because of cost they were told to to start to go direct and the first ad is a very very well-known bank brand and the first ad she put out got 970 applications and because it's a bank the 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 sort of um the the idea of 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 doing everything properly and dotting the i's and crossing the t's meant that she had to say no to 910 people or whatever it was and give reasons why she was saying no and that in the end took her and her team far longer than the money saved to the recruitment agency and and it feels to me that 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 that, you know and back to this idea of the the um candidate experience that one area that we should absolutely look at ai helping is not just the the accepting the good CVs and passing all the good applicants, we should say, given what we've been talking about, and passing them through into the the next stage of the process, but also personalising the negative responses and explaining why that person didn't is not moving to the next stage. And I think that's actually that that is something that the recruitment industry really needs at the moment, and it feels to me. From what you're saying and from what I've seen, that it's something that AI can deliver today, let alone is something that it might be able to do in the future. Yeah, I think, uh, there's two interesting things, and, and I completely agree. I think one of the things is so if you use AI to, if you ask AI a question that says, uh, tell me why I shouldn't hire this person, and those are the reasons that you send in your. Uh, I suppose the point is it depends on how you prompt the AI. So it's very easy to say, uh, give me a list of reasons why I shouldn't hire this person for this position. Uh, and, and that gives you the opportunity to, to do the um, 
you know, here's here's some good things about what you've said by saying, give me the reasons why I should hire this person. Give me the reasons why I shouldn't hire them. The only issue I would say with that is that the AI doesn't necessarily, or you have to make sure it properly understands the accept the criteria against which you're hiring, and it's always relative. So, you know, again, there's almost a statistical element to it. If you want to kind of make it a really solid um, feedback system, then you have to actually have quite a solid process uh, and a set of metrics that you're measuring against. And I think that's where certainly generative AI would struggle a bit because it's 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 less quantitative than that. Um, so, again, I think that might be one where if all you want to do is do a kind of personalized response, then I think it's very good. If what you want to do is actually provide genuinely constructive feedback as to why the person didn't get the job. And, it, you know, to take your banking example, they wouldn't accept anything that was just uh, tell me the reasons why this person hasn't succeeded because it just wouldn't work. Um, then, then I think you have to start um, looking at more specialist solutions for that feedback. And but those are specialist solutions that you can conceive of being built. I mean, we're talking about stuff that is possible now, even if it's not currently actually made. Yeah, I think I think my question really is uh, is is generative AI the whole solution? I think the answer is no. Is generative AI part of the solution? Almost certainly. Are there other either AI or actually just normal traditional kind of computing systems that would enable you to do the other part? So how do I score, you know, everything against each other? Is that a generative AI thing or is that actually a separate scoring system that may exist already? And all I'm doing is getting generative AI to create the description off the back of that the statistics that are provided um so you know i could imagine an immediate win would be well i've got a set of statistics against a particular cv that from my existing evaluation system and what uh, and and then i've got the successful candidate statistics and ai can write me the description for that candidate that says you're weaker here and weaker there and here are the, the areas where you're strong okay um and a little bit and and make that more tailored to their individual cv you know um so i could see ai doing that pretty quickly uh where i think it would struggle is doing that analysis to get those numbers in the first place I think a, kind of a slightly tangential point about using AI to, to pass CVs, but one worth mentioning is I think you're actually, you're reducing the burden on the candidates as well. Because I think we've all been through job application processes where you not only have to upload your CV, uh, it's like a, a huge form um, process that you have to go through. It can take half an hour, an hour to go through. If you've reduced that to upload your CV, because we know the AI is going to analyze it and, and extract all the information, put your Twitter handle, your LinkedIn, um, I don't know, your you Reddit username, and that's a five-minute process, um, then you're going to attract a lot more potential candidates there. And we've talked before about expanding the talent pool. Um, because of your AI passing abilities, you've made it much easier um, for candidates to, to apply. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. So we move into the end part of recruitment there um 
and and again, there's a couple of areas I think where where AI helps. Some of it's a big help, and some of it is just slightly trivial, but still can help. So, the idea that AIs can pick up the messaging around the scheduling of interviews and pe- as people move through the process of of picking up, and again, you know, to you, to your point that you've just made, Giles, that there are already systems that do stuff that looks pretty much like that. Um, Breezy HR, I know, certainly does that thing. As you move somebody into the next stage, it triggers all the emails and the the appointment booking and what have you. So it's not necessarily an AI tool that's doing this at that stage. Um, I mean, I think there's an interesting bit there that says that AI may be being used to analyze the good and bad of what's happening and to reword the job description and to do a further reach out and and to learn from what's happened through the process. Um, I think that, that there is a possibility around that and that that is of relatively trivial use um okay then then the final area and i think i think it is it is one that that's really worth thinking about in the recruitment process is the idea that in the first instance the, and the two last stages the the, the the element of handling the contracts and and getting that all sorted out uh, and also managing the initial onboarding the sort of final part of the the recruitment process is to bring them successfully into the organization and I think that both of the, in both of those, we see real possibility for current AI to to add a huge amount. Either whether that's taking weight off the human workforce, or actually just doing things more quickly and more accurately. Yeah, and I think that you know the the piece about contracts because there is usually a bit of toing and froing. Uh, I think organisations with the right systems actually have a relatively slick process around this. Uh, I think the part that um, is often missed, uh, and uh, you know, a lot of it actually does depend on things like how senior the person is and therefore how much negotiating power they have over their contract, because obviously in some roles uh, you have zero power, it's just you accept it or you don't, whereas in other roles it's a negotiation. Um, uh, but but I think the initial onboarding piece for me is where there's a huge opportunity to really transform how quickly someone gets up to full kind of operating power, if you like, within an organization. Uh, and certainly in my experience, that onboarding part is a combination of orientation, knowledge, and uh, a network. So it's, you know, who do I need? Well, the, the orientation is where do I find X? So simplest thing is, you know, where do I go for my lunch? Where are the toilets? You know, where are the emergency exits? It's all of that sort of stuff. Um, uh, what, are, what are the policies that I need to adhere to? So that there's the kind of hygiene stuff, if you like. Um, and then there's the what do I need to know in order to do my job? Uh, and then there's the who do I need to know in order to do my job? Um, and obviously, an AI might be able to help you navigate some of that stuff. Um, it can also act as, you know, with the right knowledge base behind it, any question that you have, it can answer. So, you know, if, if you've got a question on the policy, it can answer what that policy is, or it could even prompt you to um to kind of go and read up on a particular part of a, a policy. 
Um, and, and I think, you know, this is po probably moving a little bit further into the future, but if you could, for example, have an AI mentor for the first three or four months or even just permanently when you're in an organization, which is checking what you're doing and making sure you're adhering to policies and making sure that, you know, X, the, the, the relevant stakeholders who need to review something can review or have reviewed it. So I think things like that, where I could see AI having a real, it's almost like a an ongoing contribution to ensuring that you're maximizing the value to the organization and that the organization delivers back to you. And I think that would generally lead to a much better employee experience. Yeah, and we, we do quite often see on, kind of on that point, um, companies introduce kind of like a buddy system. So if you've just been hired, you're assigned a buddy and, and that's the person you can ask all the, the stupid questions to without being scared. And and I think this is the point that we've, we've made in the past as well about um, AI mentors. It's this always on ability to, to, to ask stupid questions. And and I, I can remember this quite a long time ago now, but very early in my career, um, I was basically part of a one-man team and working with a CFO. Um, and at the start, I was terrified of, of asking the stupid questions because the person that I needed to ask was the CFO, quite a big organization. Um, so yeah, I, I would have absolutely loved um, uh, an AI mentor to at least screen the questions beforehand. I mean, I think in, that there's, from a social and human perspective, there is a downside to that, which is that you could end up in an organization where you actually haven't met anyone and you haven't created the human connections. And certainly one of the, the things that they've showed uh, through COVID, actually, where they did, did research on, you know, retention. And uh, I can't remember who it was, but they, they were looking at what the retention rates are for people who have um, spent time with their colleagues versus those that didn't um, and the specific example was a, there was a company that was doing uh, away days where they would get everyone together every six months uh, but have a really structured you know there was, there was a, a real purpose to why they were going away together and, and they found that when they didn't do that the retention rates skyrocketed and when they did it dropped the retention rates I think it was about 30% difference in retention rate um, and that's because people want to feel connected to other people. And the more opportunities you give them to do that, the more likely that you are to retain them. So I think there's, it's almost like there's a limit. You, you need your mentor AI to say, oh, for God's sake, go and speak to somebody. Stop hassling me. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and and then, then you might actually get a, uh, a, a longer term or better retention of, of your employees if you do that. So my AI imaginary friend isn't a good thing? I think together with a, a human real friend. <laughs> uh, yeah, as long as your AI imaginary friend allow, uh, every now and again hassles you to talk to your real friends, then I think you're fine. <laughs> good. Uh, well, that, that's been a really interesting look through uh, recruitment end-to-end, -end, and I think we've covered most of the aspects certainly of recruitment i think for me that the things i take away from this are that recruitment has already been Im impacted quite a lot by ai and is using it to a greater or lesser extent i think you know there is definitely 
a difference between the organizations that have have embraced tech and the ones that haven't uh, i think there's some real opportunities for generative ai within recruitment uh but it feels like it's at least for now more around the edges than right in the middle um but the things that it will have a big impact on are things like uh, the candidate experience and the time that the hr teams and the hiring teams need to to produce stuff so so i think yeah really interesting area to to look at and we will look with interest to see how it develops over the uh, the next few months and years so that's it for this time uh, i've been giles i've been graham and if you want to talk to us about this or any other subject we talk about do email us on ai ai at insightflow.io that's ai ai at insightflow.io and i've been rich Thank <music> you.